Hey friends, Father Chad Jarnigan here, Vicar of Luminous Parish. Over the past two weeks, I have had numerous conversations with people around the parish, those in the parish that are having some of the same thoughts, same, same questions, and even some of the same concerns. It's pretty interesting how we are connected these days. So many of us feel isolated or even further apart from one another, even though we have more opportunities to be connected virtually. And maybe part of our reality is we still haven't fully come back together in an in-person connection, meaning we're not around one another's tables as often. We're not going out to eat, meeting each other, having more of a community opportunity there. I see that that's a reality for many, not saying it is for everyone, but part of what we are navigating as a society, especially here in the West and the U.S., we are struggling in some capacities to put our thoughts together because there's so much unreasonable information, misinformation, and those who simply have a difficult time processing reality and the truth. I found this amazing quote from one of my favorite authors over the last several years. Thanks to David Dark for highlighting this. God and love are inseparable. It is not possible, and this is probably the gravest error of all conservative theologies to tear God and love apart and to say that God is primary and permanent while love is some secondary derivative thing. The gospel never tells us to believe first, then love. It describes the achievement of Christian life in terms of unity In loving, we believe. In loving, we depend on something other than ourselves. If there is something we will be able to say about God in the future, it will be this. God is our capacity to love. God is the power, the spark that animates our love. When we have come far enough to understand that, we will no longer be afraid of banality, nor will we succumb to that heresy which says Christ's address, our superegos and demands the impossible of us. For we know once again 
that he has always moved our hearts. We should stop looking for God. For God has been with us for a long time. This is Dorothy Schull. Fascinating thought in the light of our reality. Where Christian nationalism has become a normative description for many who would like to disrupt the reality and the unity of our country. What's fascinating to me is when we have been processing the Gospel of Luke, when this past week we were in Luke 16, where Jesus is sharing story after story after story, helping those along the way understand the reality of the way of Christ. At this point in Luke 16, he has a massive crowd around him. And this has not been the case nor was it for the majority of his ministry of walking about, talking, healing, sitting, listening. But this time he had attorneys, scribes, Pharisees, as they say, sinners, those around the outskirts, those on the outside those on the inside. They were all around him at this point. That is fascinating to understand that all of the people around him really represent almost every facet and sect of society at that point. This past Sunday, we looked at the the story of the rich man and the beggar. And I spoke about how interesting it is that Christ shares this story that we believe that he made up to make the point. He gives the beggar a name, Lazarus. This isn't the same Lazarus that he brought back from the dead, but he doesn't give the rich man a name. At any other opportunity, our society writing this story would have given the rich man a name and status and prestige that Christ even articulates here. But we probably wouldn't have given the beggar a name. And even worse, it's possible that we would portray him as a villain. See, there's so much that Christ does in this passage of Luke that I'm talking about. He even calls out poverty and disease as evils. And doesn't say anything about what we would like to project onto these kind of conversations. He dispels and diffuses and disarms the weaponization of society on poor people. The poor are not with us. Actually, they are blessed. They represent more of the kingdom of heaven than those who are wealthy. 
he calls out sickness and disease as evils, but not the people. At the end of this, if we had to say that there was a theme, my best search and investigation is our human need for empathy. For empathy helps us to see needs around us beyond ours, beyond our status, beyond our privilege, beyond our way of living. Perhaps turning our gaze to the missable, to someone who we would never slow down enough to even acknowledge. Perhaps this empathy gives us a way to build less fences and less walls and build more tables and more chairs, providing more space for those in need. Perhaps this need isn't poverty. Perhaps the need of our neighbors may be community, may be connection, may be just someone to talk with and process life with. Whether they're single, married, divorced, widowed. Many of us live in a house full of people and are still lonely. So the hope here is that if we could become aware of those around us, perhaps our posture would change towards one of listening, towards one of advocating, rather than dividing. Friends, we have lots of problems around us. We have lots of things to figure out and walk out together. When we have the eyes to see and the ears to hear, as Christ would say, we have the opportunity to represent and share, spread the good news to all people. We're going to face challenges. We have been facing challenges. This isn't new in human history. It's not new in the history of our nation. It's not new for the West. But we have an opportunity of living out the real light of Christ here, now. Maybe renewing discourse, civility, and a way forward. May the peace of our great, great God be with you.